You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. I want to speak on the evidence of resurrection. The evidence of resurrection you can base your faith on, you can base your life on. We are basing our eternity on because of the reality of Jesus' resurrection. You know, no matter who you are, everyone has to acknowledge that God came to this planet. Every time you sign a check, every time you write a letter, every time you state, date the day, we're declaring that God came to our planet and he divided history in half. Because when Jesus was born and when Jesus died on the cross, we, we now say it's the 21st of the 4th of 2019, declaring. Even if you're a total atheist, it's funny how God is in his, in his humor, you acknowledging he came to the planet. But... Matthew chapter 27, there is so much evidence. Most of us don't realize the reality of the evidence, and it holds true to any scrutiny, any attacks. People have tried to attack the resurrection. If the resurrection didn't happen, our faith is futile. That's what Paul said. Paul the Apostle wrote that in the Scripture. If We're going to read it in a moment. If the resurrection didn't take place, then we are, among all men and women, we're most miserable. If it's not real, we have no faith, and we're still in our sins. The reality is, it did happen, it is real, he was resurrected, and we're not in our sins. And and, and there's evidences to that. You can look, we can look and research the reality of the evidence as well, and put our faith in what happened at the cross. Um, If you read in uh, Matthew 27, verse 45, now from the sixth hour, that's 12 o'clock, sixth hour of the day, the first hour of the day is six in the morning, so 12 o'clock. To the ninth hour, that's three o'clock in the afternoon, was darkness over the land. Now, a statement like that, we just read it, okay, darkness over the land. It was black. It was during the day. It's 12 p.m. and it got dark. It wasn't a storm. It wasn't an eclipse. Now, people have written about this time. Because if this really happened, then you're going to have people talking about it. Historians wrote about it. There's a lot of documentation outside of the Bible that that actually happened. And it wasn't an eclipse because the Passover, Jesus died at the Passover lamb. Passover is always at the full moon. If the moon is full, it has to be on the other side of the sun. It's diametrically opposite of the sun. can't be eclipsed. Plus, an eclipse is a, a few minute, uh, lasts for a few minutes. This lasts for three hours. It, it, see, everyone explained it as a natural phenomenon. It must have been an eclipse. So in those days, historians spoke about this time. They spoke about the fact that the sun didn't shine 12 to 3 p.m. It was was a phenomena. You can find a lot of writings from from historians that it actually took place outside of the Bible. But we know it was a supernatural happening. It was God making a statement that, 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 that when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die for himself. He didn't die for his own sins. He died for the sins of humanity. And darkness, in a sense, he became sin. The Bible says, him who knew no sin on that cross became sin. Think about that. That we, you and I, put our faith in him, might become the righteousness of God in him. A great exchange took place on the cross. So God put all our sin on him, and he was demonstrating that even the sun didn't shine. Now, I don't know how he stopped the sun from shining. God's God. He put it up there in the first place. 
It's the only time in all history for it that stopped shining. It wasn't a cloud storm. It was, the, the, the historians would have written, uh, it was a big gray, you know, gray dark cloud. No, there was no, no storm, no eclipse. I don't know how God did it, but he did it. Maybe he had his angels up there and he, somehow his angels just shaded the sun. Who knows how he does those supernatural things. But the fact is, historians, outside of the source of the Bible, you can see historians talk about it and write on the time that Jesus died. Not just that it got dark for three hours. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama samachthini, which that is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even the sun stops shining. It's like a statement that God's saying, I'm putting the sin of humanity upon my son. Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, that, when they heard that, said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This veil was in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle of the Old Testament. And it's a one foot thick. It's separated from the outer court to the Holy of Holies. So in the time of Jesus dying, look what it says. They, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and rocks split. There was a massive earthquake at the time that Jesus died. Again, outside of the Bible, you can go do researches. There is a lot of uh, even American websites that you know, they, they can calculate where the major earthquakes in the world. They got one for 33 AD. In, in this area, in Palestine, in the, where Jesus died, in those days it was called Palestine, there was a massive earthquake. So again, God is shaking the earth when his son is dying on the cross. And because the earth had a massive earthquake, a whole city nearby, I think it's Pithynia, crashed and, and a lot of buildings crumbled. The temple, we don't know if it was the earthquake or if God himself took that veil and ripped it. But some people believe that it actually, because the earth broke and the temple destroyed, uh, the, that, that curtain was torn. But what we do know is the curtain was torn doesn't matter how it happened. We know that at that time, these are not coincidences. This is, can't be explained like unbelievers do try to explain it. They explained it away. In those days, it must have been an eclipse. Of course you would do that if you don't know Jesus was the Son of God. And you don't want to admit his, Lord, his lordship over your life. You're going to go, well, it must have been just an, uh, an eclipse. Of course, it must have been an eclipse. A three-hour-long eclipse doesn't happen. So the reality of these things, again, you can study, have a research. Historians were talking to themselves, to, to each other, and quoting each other about the fact. You know, you've got to look at it this way. This is how much common sense it is. When this book was written, three of the Gospels, there's four Gospels, three of the writers, their documents, like very, very relied upon documents of what actually took place. If there was no earthquake, if the, 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 it didn't go dark for three days, this should have been discredited from the beginning. The moment it was circulated, it should have lost its credibility. Because everyone would have said, it wasn't dark at that time. The people that were there would have said, no, it didn't have a, we didn't have an earthquake. No, it didn't get dark from 12 to 3. But no one discredited it because it actually happened. The reality, Jesus dying on that cross. I mean, even, even you know, there have been a lot of people written things about Jesus, and everyone's tried to attack the resurrection. 
Do you know why they try to attack the resurrection? Because that's where our faith lies. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, it says, For I, Paul the Apostle is writing to the to Christians in Corinthians. He says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. So we don't know what year this is in. Let's say it's anywhere between 50, 60, 70 years after Jesus' death. But he received this from other apostles. He, it was like a creed. This is their faith. This is what they believed in from the beginning. For I delivered to you, first of all, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. It wasn't just the reality that he died. I mean, the, the Scriptures foretold the thousands of years before anyway. Heaps of prophets in the Old Testament spoke of Jesus dying on the cross and resurrecting. And that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. That, and that he was seen by Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over a hundred brothers and sisters, at once, over 500 people saw Jesus' resurrection, his resurrected body, him being resurrected, 500 witnesses. That's a lot, isn't it? There's 12 apostles, there's Peter, plus the 500, of whom, Paul's writing, the greater part of those 500 witnesses remain to the present. Why is he saying that? But some have fallen asleep, some have died. So some have died, but a lot of them are still alive. In other words, as I speak, if you want to verify what I'm saying, you can just speak to them. They're eyewitnesses of the fact that Jesus resurrected. They saw him. He's, he's clarifying. He's writing a document. He's saying, this is so real. This is such a reality that if you don't believe me, go ask the witnesses. They're still alive today. After that, he was seen by James. That's his own brother. Then by the apostles. Why did he pick James? Because I believe the... The brothers of, of Jesus, James was his brother, and um, the, his mother, at the time of his living the earth, walking the earth, they didn't believe in him. Scripture talks about that. They came, to, they came to believe in him after his resurrection, because he really resurrected. I mean, if you're a brother, I mean, imagine if you had a brother like Jesus, and he says, I'm the son of God. Yes, sure you are, mate. You know, like, I mean, what older, younger brother is going to believe that? Then, all, then last of all, until he got resurrected, then he became a believer. That's why James was named here. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. In other words, Paul's saying, I saw him too. When did he see him? At the road of Damascus. He was, he, he was thrown off his horse. And he saw, and he heard Jesus, and he saw the bright light of God, of Jesus' glory. Jesus spoke to him. He saw the resurrected one. He had an encounter with Jesus himself. This is the one that was persecuting the church, remember? This is the one that was putting him in prison, dedicated his life to get rid of the Christians, and now he gets converted. And again, documented. This is stuff you can read in historians about Paul's life, not just the Bible. So many people think, oh, how do you believe the Bible? You know, There's a lot of historians. You can, you can look at all the historians in those days and what they wrote about the followers of Jesus. You can conclude that Jesus was doing miracles, that he died on the cross, he crucified. So a lot of people attack the crucifixion. They try to say it was just a, a, a swoon effect. That means his body went into some sort of coma. They put him away, and um, then he some, must, somehow must have come back to life. He got revived somehow. I mean, ridiculous stuff. You know, you, you, everyone agrees Jesus died on that cross. All the historians, anyone that looks into it, anyone that wants to research it, you can conclude clearly that Jesus died. You don't put a piece... A, a spear in, and pierce his side and the, the Bible says um, blood and water came out 
So that means his blood separated and it came out like water. He was dead. I mean, then you get mummified with 100 pounds of uh, you know, ointment and everything. You're dead. If you're not dead, then you're going to be dead once you be mummified and you're there for three days. I mean, Jesus is dead as dead can be. If someone tries to say he wasn't dead, he just goes, that's just ridiculous. Plus, you've got to also look at and research the reality of what happened after he got resurrected. There's a number of things that I want us to look at, but there's a lot of histori- historical evidence. There's a guy called Joannes, Philippinus, Mal- Malalus, Oregon, Eusebius. These are all historians. Maxim, Day. All these historians directly quote a guy called Flagan about Jesus' death and resurrection. And it's after he's resurrected and the followers of Jesus were, were doing all these amazing miracles themselves. So, so there's a few things you need to look at. Did Jesus really, really die? Execution. Absolutely, 100%. He's dead as dead can be. That's his execution. Then the next E is an empty tomb. Was there really an empty tomb? You've got to see, the fact that Jesus was resurrected, when you write a story, if you were making up a story, if you were writing, if you were scheming up a whole story to try to fabricate a religion, you would not say things like women were the first ones to saw him resurrect. Because in those days, being the society that they were, women didn't have a say in a court of law. Their testimony didn't hold in the court of law. So why would you say the women saw him first? See, there's a law of embarrassment, a law of you wouldn't do that if you're trying to, trying to fabricate something. You just say the, peop- the men saw him because that's going to hold up in a court of law. But the reality was the women saw him first, so that's exactly how it's written. God has no problems with man and woman gender, so he says straight away, women saw Jesus first. Again, if you're fabricating the story, you wouldn't write it that way. A, a man by the name of Lee Strobel was a journalist and a lawyer, and he read the Bible because his wife became a Christian two years ago. He goes, I've got to get her out of this occult. I've got to read the Bible. I've got to show her how wrong this is. So he, he read the Bible to prove that Jesus never resurrected. Because he knew that if Jesus didn't resurrect, then, uh, then all this is nonsense. And if you read in uh, where we were reading, I just want to quickly finish that First Corinthians chapter 15. Talking about the resurrection. Paul continues to say, For if the dead do not rise, then Christ has not... No, verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen? And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we have found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he has raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead did not rise. For indeed, for if the dead did not rise, then Christ is Christ not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins. He's basically trying to say, if we're telling you that Christ didn't raise from the dead, we're false witnesses. And if he didn't raise from the dead, we are Wasting our time. Our faith is futile. We're still in our sins. There's an empty tomb because there was an empty tomb. Do you know even the enemies of Christ, the the Jewish people didn't want Jesus to be raised from the dead. They did not say there was no empty tomb. 
When everyone was saying Jesus was raised from the dead, they didn't say, no, he's in the tomb. All they had to say is he's in the tomb, but he didn't, they didn't do that. They said, well, let's, let's make up, a, we've got to cover the fact that he's, that he's not in the tomb. So what they say, they paid money to the Roman soldiers and told the soldiers to say that you fell asleep and the disciples took the body. They paid them to say that. Why? Because there was an empty tomb problem. If there was no empty tomb, they didn't even have to try to cover it up. See, the fact, the enemies of the, of the faith are actually stating there was an empty tomb because all they had to say is, come on, stop lying, just get the body and show everybody. Just find the body. So if, you know the enemies didn't steal the body. The Jewish people, the Jewish leaders of those days that, that, that crucified him in the first place, you know they didn't steal the body, eh? Because now they've, Everyone's going to think he's resurrected. So we know for sure they didn't. What about the disciples? Could they have stolen the body? Absolutely. Could have. If they stole the body and fabricated it, again, you've got to remember, these guys were the ones that were hiding from the authorities, full of fear, in trepidation of their own lives, afraid that they're going to get crucified. So they're hiding in a room, full of fear. And if Jesus didn't resurrect, they wouldn't have been transformed because they changed from full of fear to people that are willing to lay their life down for the gospel. Once they saw Jesus, ate with Jesus, touched Jesus, Thomas said, you know, unless I touch him, I won't believe. And so Jesus, the moment Jesus walked in, I mean, he says, Thomas, because he heard him say that, but he wasn't there. But Jesus knew he said that because it's God. And he goes, uh, Thomas, put your hand, thrust it in my side. Put your finger in my hole. Don't, don't doubt, but believe. But blessed are they who don't see and still believe. That Thomas went to India. If he didn't see Jesus, he went to India late. I mean, he preached the gospel. He transformed the city of Chennai, and they, they killed him. He was martyred, murdered. Why? Because of a lie they made up? See, you know, I, know, I know terrorists and people that believe in a, in, in, in a lie can, because can, uh, you've been told a lie that you'll get, let's say, rewards in heaven. But, when you fabricated the lie yourself, no one lays their life down for a lie you've made up with. If, if that's true, the apostles had to make up that lie. But they're the very ones who transformed the world by because of the reality that they saw Jesus, touched Jesus, and they, they know he was resurrected. There's an empty tomb. If the tomb wasn't empty, they had just to come up with a body somewhere. It was so easy to just find the body and prove to everybody, stop this lie and show everyone it's not real. They could never find the body because he was resurrected. The other, the other reason we believe fully in the, in the resurrection is there's eyewitness accounts. We, we read that Peter saw him, we saw that 12 apostles saw him, and 500 people saw him. Again, people go, they, they try to um, wash this away by saying it must have been a hallucination. People must have hallucinated a vision of Jesus because they believed in it so much. But the scientific world, they know 100% it's impossible for 500 people to see the same hallucination. I mean, come on. These, again, and the reality of the, the fact that people had the right, and historians had it to record what was happening in those days. You can find those writings today of what actually took place in those days. These people that were eyewitnesses, many of them, encountered Jesus, ate with Jesus after his resurrection. I mean, Paul had his own encounter. We saw him transform his life. James, his brother, transformed his life. There's a lot of changed, transformed lives from cowardness to courage. 
even to the point of willing to, they say 11 out of the 12 were martyred. 11 out of the 12. If they come up with a lie, you think they're all going to be willing to die for a lie they fabricated? Impossible. It's ludicrous to believe that. There was no contrary evidence that rose up because the enemies of the faith, the, the Jewish people, the authorities of the day, if there were evidence, contrary evidence against the resurrection, it would have just surfaced, but nothing surfaced. Nothing whatsoever pr- tried to pop its head up to say, aha, we have evidence that he was dead. Nothing popped up because he was in heaven at the right hand of the Father. You know, all this, realities, it's because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. God had a magnificent, a magnificent plan. You know, I've been, I've been uh, aware of this beautiful good news for 32 years. You know what? It still remains good news. It still blesses my soul. It still enables me with the reality to experience the presence of God every day of my life. Why was that? That veil torn from top to bottom. Because God was signifying the way into the very holy of holies where God himself dwells is now wide open. Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty for humanity. Our sins have been forgiven. You and I have access to the presence of God every day, every day, all day, anytime, anywhere. You don't have to go to a particular church building or a temple or or an altar it doesn't say that in the new testament it says we can have a relationship with god through faith in jesus when you've put your faith completely in the one that god sent to die on our on the cross for god's love the world that he gave his only begotten son god loved you so much that he gave jesus and god knew that you and i could not get to heaven in our good works this is the reality of the gospel, the good news. If we're spiritually dead, we are, and the reason why we are spiritually dead is because we were made in God's image, we were made in God's likeness in the beginning, in the garden, Adam and Eve together made up the image and likeness of God. But they disobeyed God and they were severed from God and they lost the presence of God. Their spirit, the Bible says we are spirit, soul and body. Their spirit spiritually died. Died. Death. That was still living in their body so you are a spirit and you have a body so their spirit that's that's still there now it's spiritually dead doesn't have god in there anymore now there's guilt condemnation greed selfishness fear hatred pride that's not from god that came from the enemy that's because they spiritually died now humanity is in depravity but god had a plan god had a magnificent plan to bring another adam into the earth to die on the cross for our sins, being Jesus. Jesus was referred to the second Adam and the last Adam in the book of Corinthians. That means God had to bring another another man without sin. He couldn't just go, oh, Adam, you messed up. Let me make another Adam from the earth and make another Adam like he did the first time because the earth is cursed. The Bible says the the curse destroyed everything. The earth, everything that's created was connected to our authority with God And because of that, when sin came, sickness came, disease came, death came, everything came. This earth has been distorted. It's beautiful, but without sin, you take away sin, it looks like heaven, this earth. But sin has got death in it. The wages of sin is death. God brought another Adam in through a virgin birth. 
Mary did not know a physical man. She was pregnated by God himself. Jesus' father was not Joseph. Jesus' father was God. Think about this. Just think about it for a moment. God became a man. My God came to rescue me. I didn't know I even needed salvation. You didn't even know you needed salvation. But your God came to this planet and died on the cross in your place. I think about that love. I know some of us think, oh, I don't know if I can understand that love. And I, I, if you're a parent, just for a moment, just, just, just let me throw this out you, and think about this. If you're a parent and you knew that your children were going to go to hell unless you died that cruel death on the cross. Your children would go to hell for all eternity unless you yourself would die on the cross the way Jesus did. And even go, let me go as far as saying this. Just bear with me. Thank God we don't have to do this, never had to do this. Jesus already did it for us. I'm just showing the love of Christ. Would you die on that cross? And would you go to hell for three days and three nights, suffer the, the consequences of sin, just so your children would not go to hell for all eternity? I know I would. If you're a dad, you know you would. If you're a real dad and a real mom, because I know this world has become so depraved. That's the love that Christ had for his children. He actually did it on our behalf. He was on a rescuing mission. It's exactly what he was doing. He came to die for the sins of humanity. His mind was like flint when he looked at Jerusalem. He wanted to go to that cross. He made sure he went to that cross. You read his writings. You read what they wrote about what Jesus said. I mean, he made sure Judas that night, because what you have to do, do us quickly. He had it all planned. Jesus knew that the Passover time was when he had to be the lamb that had to be put on the doorpost, if you know about the Old Testament. And he was the lamb of God, where God passed over the sins of humanity because he judged him as he was the sinner. Yet Jesus never sinned. Even God, isn't God amazing? This is Jesus. Think about Jesus. He was fully God, but he became a man. He emptied himself of the privilege of being God. He's not operating as God. He's operating as a man. The Bible teaches us this in Philippians. He became a man even to the point of dying even as a servant, but even, dying, even to the point of dying on the cross. But Jesus emptied himself of the privilege of being God and became a man. And as a man, on behalf of Adam and on behalf of humanity, he takes on the devil, he takes on the sin, he takes on death on our behalf. Not for himself. He did not have to die on that cross for himself. Everything Jesus did was for you. If you were the only person on the planet left to have died for, I'm telling you, the love of Christ would have done it just for you. Don't feel like a number. Don't feel like, yeah, but Leo, there's 8,000 million people on the planet right now, and I feel like just one number. I feel lost. And then 2,000 years of existence, 2,000 years of people alive and Billions and billions of people. I'm just one of those people. No, God loves you so purely. I'm telling you, he would have done it just for you. He would have died on that cross just for you. You've got to think about it. This man, Jesus, spirit, soul, and body. When he's hung on the cross, I mean, he laid down his life. They didn't take his life. We know that. The Bible teaches us this. He, he, I believe it would have been a freaky sight for him to lie down on the cross and, and full of love, put his hands on that cross and look at the soldier's eyes and wait him. He wasn't fighting. I mean, if I was a soldier, I wouldn't know if I could do it. He's not, he's not contesting. He's not fighting for his life like all the other thieves and criminals. And then you nail, the, nail him to the cross. That, that crucifixion was a, a, the most horrific, horrendous design to punish a human being. 
slowly to hit the vein where you can't stand up. You have to, you have to hold up, but then it's hit the other vein on your feet. And you've you got to, just to breathe. And you dehydrate over days. It takes days to die on the cross. Very slowly, very, very slowly. But Jesus died in six hours. I believe he died of a broken heart. I believe his heart a sack ruptured. That's why when they put the, the, the spear in him, it was water and blood. They, they were shocked that he was already dead. They had to break the bones of the thieves next to him. But when they came to Jesus, he was already dead. Six hours? And he was a man's man. It wasn't because he was weak. Never does it say he screamed for the pain. All he did, I, I believe, when he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He screams it out of a loud voice. God had to leave him for him to physically die. How do you die when you're the son of God if God's still in you? If your spirit is still alive with God, with life, with the power of God, he had to spiritually die first. Does that make sense? His spirit, because he's fully man, he's got a spirit, he's got a soul, and he, has a, and he lives in a body. His spirit spiritually died. Bang! That's when darkness went into his spirit. He died first, then he physically died. And yes, his blood was draining him of life. And I believe with a loud voice, he says, Father God, into thy hands I commit my spirit. What was he doing? I'm trusting you, God, to resurrect me. I'm trusting you. And when he said, it is finished, you know those powerful words. It said a lot of powerful things on the cross. When he said, it is finished, I love the fact that he didn't say, I am finished. Because he wasn't finished. It is finished. When he's going to give up the ghost, when he's about to go, he can't mess it up. I mean, he can't. I mean, he's done it. He's lived a perfect life without sin. Now he's been judged for the sins of humanity. And what he had to do on this earth, he completed it. He finished it on this earth. But do you know, redemption wasn't finished on the cross. How do you know that, Leah? Well, Hebrews chapter 8, 9, and 10 tells us that he carried his blood at the altar in heaven. It's in the Bible. So why did he have to carry his blood at the altar? He went to the very real holy of holies in heaven. Because God's doing this. He's cleansing everything. Even all the way up to the throne. There's a man seated on the throne in your place. He's your mediator. He's your, like a lawyer. He's your intercessor. That's what it means. He stands in the presence of God for you on behalf of you. As you. As if he was you. I mean, that blows me away. That God gives us the gift of righteousness for free. You know, if I, if I was, this is how the gospel works, if I obeyed God for the next two years, totally obeyed God, never sinned not once the next two years, when I come before God, I don't come before God because I didn't sin for two years. I still come because of your holiness, not my holiness. I still come into His presence because of your righteousness, not my righteousness. That means if I sinned yesterday, I'll go into his presence, not on my righteousness, on his righteousness. Not on my holiness, his holiness. Why is that? That's a gift. God knew you couldn't do it to earn it. If you tried to earn your way in, you would never make it. He knew that. So he did it all for you. It's called grace. It's called love. It's called forgiveness for free. And that's why... That's why it's called good news. This sounds like good news, doesn't it? This sounds like the best news you'll ever hear. And you know what? Let me say this, because this is the, 
this is the scary part, if I can say it this way. This is the part we should fear God. I'll read it in uh, uh, the Gospel of John. If you reject Jesus, you stand alone before God. God's so holy, even though He loves you. If you reject your only way of salvation, you stand before God on your own merits. And I'm telling you, none of us make it. doesn't matter who you are. So if you're relying on your own good works, I go to church, I, I do this, I do that. If you rely on your own good works, you'll never make it. You've got to rely on Him and Him only. Does that make sense? This is the gospel. If you think, Leo, how do you know this? I've been reading this Bible and you can read it too. I'm a normal person like you're normal. I'm so normal. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm so ordinary. That's not the right word. I'm an ordinary person like you're an ordinary person, but we serve an extraordinary, mighty God. It says here, verse 11 of John chapter 1, it says, And he came to his own, Jesus came to his own, and his own did not receive him. It's a sad scripture. His own couldn't recognize him. The Jewish people didn't see him as the Messiah. A lot did, but a lot didn't. But, listen to this, as many as received him, to them he gave the authority or the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. So we need to believe first. Some of you right now believe. Maybe you're believing for the very first time. You, go, you know what, you made a clear place that Jesus was resurrected. I believe he's the son of God. I thank God for my heritage. I was a Catholic background. And you know what I thank God for? Because... I believe the Bible. I thank God I was taught that the Bible is the Word of God. Because when they told me about the Bible and they said, the Bible says this, I didn't question it. Thank God. I love my heritage. I didn't question the Bible. I believe the Bible to be the Word of God. I'd hate to think that if you didn't believe that, and there's a lot of people that didn't until they studied it and they realized, wow, it is true. But I thank God for my heritage to to the degree that I believe this Bible. But you know what? You can believe. you still got to do one more thing. You can't just believe and live your life your own way. You have to believe, plus you have to receive. When you believe and you receive, then you become a child of God. The receiving part is in your heart. It's a reality. It's a decision you make to say, Jesus, I make you Lord. Jesus, I believe in you and I fully trust in you dying on the cross in my place for my sin. I'm not going to trust in my good works anymore. And I'm going to follow you. I make you Lord of my life means I follow you. You will be my Lord. You will be my Savior. I trust your word. I I will follow what you say in your word. Believe plus receive means you can become a child of God. A son or a daughter of God. He gives us the authority to become children of God. What a beautiful, amazing thing. The authority to become a daughter of God, Evangeline. You are the daughter of the Most High God. And if you have believed, you've received, you become. So I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. Jesus openly died for you. Unashamedly. Not in no movies could ever predict what he really did. Passion of the Christ did an amazing job of that 12 hours. But I'm telling you, there's so much more. So much more. It really is. So much more than just what we saw. 
far as I understand the scripture, it sounds like he, Jesus hung there naked. How, how are we going to show that? Humiliated. Guilt, shame. All our guilt, all our shame was put upon him. So you get it for free. We get forgiveness for free. It's free for us, but it cost him everything. It's not cheap. It doesn't mean I'm going to go do whatever I want because I'm forgiven for free. No, it cost him his life. So now I follow him, dedicated. So God, help me dedicate to honor you, to live my life. It honors you, Father. Father, thank you right now for every person that needs to make this decision to accept Jesus into their life. I'm asking you to just humble yourself before the Lordship of Jesus and say, yes, I believe and I receive. Just slip your hand up. If you know you have to receive, if you have to ask yourself the question, if I was to die, I don't know if I'll make it to heaven, then you have to make this decision to receive because you need to make peace with God now. So if that's you, just lift your hand up. I'm going to pray a prayer for you to accept Jesus into your life. The Holy Spirit will come and He will forgive you of everything you've ever done as He's forgiven me and as He's forgiven many others. He deletes all our sins, totally washed, totally forgiven. If that's you, you want to make peace with God, just lift your hand up. You want to say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. I know there's people in this room that need to make peace with God. Thank you, Jesus. It's not the time to scratch your head because I might just go, that's you. But there's people here that need to make peace with God. So just lift your hand up. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, madam. Peace with God. It's a beautiful thing. Do you call yourself a Christian? Maybe you do inwardly, but you don't, haven't told other people that. Thank you. Anybody else? This is the time where you're saying, I'm going to tell other people I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. Anybody else want to join these precious people to make peace with God? Thank you, Jesus. Just a few more seconds. Anybody else? Thank you. Don't leave planet Earth without making this decision. I beg you. I plead with you. Don't do it. One thing's guaranteed. None of us will get out of here alive. None of us. Just because you're young, that's not guaranteed either. You know that. Anybody else? Peace with God. I want to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Don't, don't look to yourself I don't know if I can do it if I commit to Jesus I don't know if I'm going to be able to follow him none of us could I couldn't until I surrendered when I surrendered then he came with his spirit gave me the strength gave me the ability to live for him thank you lady at the back anybody else you're not looking to yourself you're looking to him to give you the strength to do it amen can we pray this prayer together just so we can pray along those people that have made decisions for Jesus? I would ask you just to repeat this prayer after me. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin. I believe with all my heart that he died and he rose again from the grave. He defeated sin. He defeated death. For me, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. 
Be my saviour. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.